You're listening to Marismus. This podcast was created for people just like you who share a strong curiosity about the world and have questions about life that often go unasked. Marismus is a laboratory dedicated to exploring dangerous topics and entertaining some serious and strange ideas. Over the next few minutes, you are invited to listen in on a discussion between friends involving a provocative subject that you are unlikely to hear anywhere else. All we've got is a blue microphone, three chords, and the truth. The rest is up to you. Now, if you're ready, then let's go. This is Marismos, episode four. We thank you for tuning back in. We've had a couple of technical difficulties that have prevented uh, episode four from being recorded properly. And so this is uh, attempt three, four. Heck, I don't even remember. Yeah, this is, uh, but it's multiple shots at this yeah just know that every time we record this it's different and it seems like we have gremlins in the machine different gremlins every time so anyway welcome back Um, so some of our arguments to each other are going to sound very familiar (laughs) we are getting bruised beating on each other all right so i'm lemon adams and thank you for listening i am no offense and uh episode four is is there a problem with what people of the world see with Christianity? Is that a fair statement? I think there's a reason why people are not Christians. And we, we sort of threw at the wall every different idea as to why that could be. And what stuck was people either reject Jesus on the face of his claims, or they reject Jesus because they look at his followers and think, what a bunch of jerks. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that I have really been ruminating on about this, why do people that do not have a religious affiliation do good things? Hmm. Yeah, kind of like, you know, what makes someone want to give to charity, show yeah, any I altruism mean, at all. Exactly. Yeah. It's what would it, I really don't think that your first emotion is, gee, I wonder if God's watching me do this and what kind of reward I'm going to get from it. Yeah, especially if you don't believe in a God. Exactly. Why would somebody that is a non-believer rescue someone from a burning vehicle? They have a value system. They feel like doing that is the good, right thing to do. The, okay, that's the, that's the word I was looking for, is, or the phrase I was looking for, is it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for a pat on the back or, you know, most people just disappear off into the weeds. They don't want recognition for what they did. It's just the right thing that they do. You know, they would think that anybody else would do this. Right. And I would, I would say, I would at least concede that sometimes people do want recognition and it really doesn't matter what their religious affiliation is. There are people that do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons all over the spectrum. I can't believe you just admitted you conceded something. Yeah. I mean, how, how did that, how did that, hurt any to to admit that i'm just trying to get the episode done noah okay just wondering i mean you know where's the real lemma and what have you done with the body but you know to be honest i think we both have issues with christianity from time to time i don't necessarily know that it's the people but i find it really interesting the home-built double standard that every one of us seems to carry but it especially applies to anyone professing to be a christian i mean I hate to break it to you, but I'm going to screw up today. Probably going to screw up tomorrow. Is it going to affect the way that the world turns? No. No. But is it going to affect maybe the way that my relationship with someone else is? It could. I don't know. It could. I mean, I don't know the magnitude of what I'm planning on doing tomorrow. It's not my tendency 
to give people the benefit of the doubt. Something goes wrong or you injure me in some way and I'm going to basically say, okay, is, is Noah a bad person because he just hurt me or he said something unkind or cut me off in traffic? Well, you know, I ate think the last kolache. No matter what it is. I think a lot of times people are looking to be offended. So basically everybody is a hypocrite. Everybody, nobody lives up to their own moral standard. Everybody, I don't think, I don't think it's possible. Everybody has a moral standard, a value system. Those are usually cobbled together based on life experience, whatever they've been taught, things that they've picked up along the way. Cause you don't know anything that you haven't been taught by somebody else. Correct. Okay. So you put together, you cobble together your own morality and then you go around applying that to things you do, things other people do, but we all have a different set of values. So based on that fact, every single human being is a hypocrite. I have a set of values that I don't always live up to you. You have a set of values you don't always live up to, but for whatever reason, like we were talking about or briefly hinted at earlier, when someone says, I am a Christian, then everybody attacks their hypocrisy more ferociously than someone that claimed no God exists. Right. I guess what I'm saying is we are harder on people that seem to step up and say, no, my value system is comes from a higher power and he says this. I would agree with that, except I agree with what you said about everyone creates their own rules and morals and things like that. When somebody puts themselves on blast, for lack of a better phrase, for for being a Christian, I don't want to get off in the weeds. Continue with what where, where you're headed with this or where you think you're headed with this. Well, where I think I'm headed is we already know people have rejected Christianity. Why did they reject Christianity between these two options? Was it Jesus or was it his followers? Well, let's go on and explore that pattern. What What is the most offensive element of Christianity that people use to reject it as a, as a lifestyle, as a worldview, as a whatever Christianity is. I think on the simple view, it's the followers. Because if you want to use a broad view, imagine that everyone in the world is at dinner. Jesus walks in and says, hey, I got the check. That's pretty hard to turn down. Right. I mean, no, in fact, think. I, I think that's, it should be almost impossible to turn down. Yeah, you would think. Now, there's going to be some people that are like, well, I'm not worthy. You know, I, I, I can't allow you to do that and things like that. And there's going to be, the, there's going to be the, the, the fake, you know, oh, golly, I was just reaching for my wallet, you know, and everything like that. <laughs> or, oh, darn, I was too slow on the draw of, of trying to reach for the, But I'll catch you next time. Yeah, exactly. But the bottom line is, is that Jesus came and picked up the check for everybody. He says, I got this. Now. We can look across the room and you're unfortunately stuck across the table from me. You know, you didn't get the Swedish bikini team or the supermodels. I'm sorry. You got me. So now you could be upset with because, well, I'm certainly not going to pick Jesus because, man, I'm stuck with Noah. Hmm. Okay. So what, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying Noah acknowledged that Jesus picked up the check for him. He's grateful chooses to whatever I don't, I don't even know what the relationship would be between Noah and Jesus after that point the sure. analogy kind of breaks down a little bit but what I'm saying is Noah has affiliated himself given his allegiance to Jesus the one who picked up the check and Lemma is now faced with do I want to be associated with Noah or not is that, that what you're saying that's 
part of it, yeah. Okay. And and there's no, I, I want to be a part of whatever it is Jesus is doing. I want to receive this gift, but I just cannot see myself being affiliated with any of the people at this table. Well, you know, one of the things and one of the arguments that comes about quite a bit, and, and you'll see this published probably two to three times a year where there's going to be some brain trust out there that says, you know, people that believe in God or people that believe in Jesus are, you know, intellectually inferior to those that don't. Sure. Who's writing the article? Someone who does not follow Jesus. Right. And I'm already, you know, the article itself is already biased. Well, sure. Yeah. They're, they're, they're arguing from a position of strength. It's kind of a bully pulpit. Exactly. Yeah. They're the only one with a pen. I mean, one of the things that gets me is, uh, you know, you and I are both pretty well read. I would not go as far as to call us erudite, but I mean, we're both well educated. Is it pronounced erud, erud, erudite, erudite? Oh, here we go. <laughs> is it erudite or no, erudite? No, I, I believe it's erudite. Okay. All right. I'm not going to argue with you here. Well, it doesn't matter if you are or not. But <laughs> the thing is, is that C.S. Lewis has written stuff that blows me away. Yeah. And yet C.S. Lewis was a believer. Yes, he was. And C.S. Lewis was probably smarter than almost everybody that writes these journalistic hack pieces mm. about Christianity. Right. Why are they trying to tear something down? If they don't believe it's real. If they don't believe it's real. You know, I'm going to tell good. you, I have always wondered that myself. I think, I can't remember who it was. Uh, the, the speaking one, or I should say, the speaking member of Penn and Teller is a self-described... Is Penn Jillette, yes. That's right. And he is a self-described atheist. And, and he's honest about it. And he's also said, in my hearing, that he, he would be suspicious of anyone that believed Jesus Christ was God incarnate and did not try to proselytize to him. Right. He, doesn't, he recognizes that if you think something so strident, something so exclusive, and you allow other people to just go about their day, then you effectively are cursing them. Right. It's, yeah, I've seen what he said about yeah. that, and and I don't disagree with exactly what he has said or what and and the the follow up you're making there. He expects someone who believes they're right to argue the point passionately and and logically, and if they don't, then they either do not really believe what they claim, or they don't care if you go to hell. That's a fair statement. I mean, you're right. I mean, there is an in between, and that's apathy. But apathy is is the absence of love or hate. What I think is a big issue right now with so-called Christianity and the church is that the grave is their salvation. Yes, you're right. You're because right. as Christians, it's like, I mean, to go into the thing of why aren't we proselytizing? Why aren't we shouting it from the rooftops? If this were a football game, we're in the last two minutes and we're waiting for the clock to run out. We're, we go to victory formation. We just want to take a knee and run out the clock and do whatever's supposed to happen to us. Not because we don't care about anybody else, but because that's an inconvenience and we don't want to offend anybody. No, I have heard people say that. Not in those exact words, but they have basically said, all I've got to do is get to the finish line. Yeah. All I have to do is bide my time, pray a little bit, read a little Bible, you know, represent when when it's convenient or comfortable for me to do so, and just get to the end. Because once I get to the end, it's all paradise. But I think that that's, uh, that's... Shamefully ignorant, in my opinion, because I, I think this is exactly what Christ was talking about when he said, I would rather you be hot or you be cold. 
Because what you described to me is a lukewarm person. Ouch. And that's what he said in Revelation 3, that he's going to spit out of his mouth. Yeah, maybe so. Or what in Matthew is, you know, I never knew you. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are in for a wake-up call. It's not, And it's not a judgment. It's just, there, there's just... You're just playing statistics. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, he himself said that, yeah. you know, narrow is the path to heaven, wide is the path to destruction. Yeah. By his own words, that has to mean that, I mean, I, I don't have a percentage, but I mean, I would say less than half people. I don't know, know but, but, I, but, it, but I looked at some numbers before we talked. Yeah. And, and if, it, if we got a second, I want to read some of these By things off because it's really interesting. Um, okay, we're, you know, we're not a religious show. We are religious people. We like to talk about all kinds of stuff. But for whatever reason, the last couple episodes have been very religious in nature. And for those of you that are offended by that, tough. <laughs> Just tough. I have some fence to How, tell you. However, they're not all going to be like this. We just, it just, it's the luck of the draw, right? It's just random. Anyway. Uh, I think we lied about that one too. So. I don't think we did. All right. So Christianity is currently the most popular religious affiliation in the world. How popular? Well, in 2020, roughly 2,220,000,000 people claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And that's about 31% of the total global population. Okay, about that. one in three. So from humble beginnings in Bethlehem of Judea 2,000 years ago, Christianity is now the most racially and ethnically diverse belief system in existence. The world clock puts the total human population about 7.8 billion souls. That's a lot of peeps. So, Noah, if we all loved truth, there would be no such thing as lying. There'd be no such thing as bearing false witness or giving false testimony. There'd be no such thing as makeup. There'd be no such thing as all kinds of stuff that just nudges our representation in the direction we wish it would go. Hey, easy on some of that, because if we ever get sponsored, I don't want to offend any sponsor before we get there. Right. Uh, do you think we're really in danger of getting a sponsor? <laughs> you never know. Yeah, well, that's true. I don't. I don't. All right. So anyway, religious or not, you got skin in this game. And I'll tell you why. Jesus claimed to be God incarnate. Not in English, in exactly that way. But the claims that he made in his context absolutely were truth claims of deity. So basically what we're saying here is that Jesus made some wild claims, very bold statements um, some assertions that some people considered blasphemy in his day. And and I'm basically saying you cannot successfully avoid Jesus forever. At some point, we all die. You either believe what he said or you don't. And if you don't, we're interested in why that is. Well, I think to, at the same time, though, in, because of the way that translations have happened and the way that things have moved in the couple thousand years that Christ was here, man has very much gotten in the way. We have turned Jesus and religion into something else. I mean, I hate to sound cliche here, but we have, especially the American church, this is I, Jesus, dude. Mm. I'm going to download this app. I'm going <laughs> to grab this app. I don't like this app. Yeah. And I'm, this is the way I'm going to be. It's the proverbial buffet table of spiritual gifts, right? Or spiritual well, choices. I mean, yeah, just, I mean... You know, read through what you want. To, I'll have some of this. I'll have right. some of that. I don't want that. I'll take a double portion of Streets of Gold and half the portion of God's wrath. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to be punished, but, I, you know, I definitely want prosperity. 
Well, sure. And where does that come from? Oh, I know. I know. Uh, it's what is the focus of it? Well, you know, I, I, I've always I've asked this of multiple people and I'm not calling out your church, my church, any church. I'm just asking a question. All right. But you got that snarky look on your face. Well, of course. It's the only look I've got. <laughs> if Jesus walked into your church today, how quickly is he going to be escorted out by security? And I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking about if he was dressed for, for modern day. I'm not right. talking about some, you right. know, right. some dude that comes rolling in in a, in a tunic and a pair of sandals and it's like, yo, man. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, I, and I'm not saying Jesus is going to be hipster with the 501s and, you know. In a, a man bun. A man bun and a craft brew, you know. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, but it, if Jesus came into your church today and said, uh, hey, that cross doesn't need to be gold. Right. Hey, the baptistry doesn't need to have this. Yeah. Hey, how come you're all the same color? That's a very good question. Yeah. I mean, I think you could go as far as to say Sunday might be the most segregated day in the United States. There's no doubt in my mind that's true. Someday we need to talk about that. That's Put a pin in that and we'll move down. Yeah, we will. But, you know, the thing is, is would Jesus feel welcome? If he came in, would he stay? Yeah. Is what he's seeing around from the people going to make him stay? Right. Would he object to what's being taught from the pulpit? Would he appreciate the singing? Would he nudge the guy that fell asleep? What would well, he put in the plate? Would he even get past the foyer? Right. Because, you know, it, it, what if he wasn't greeted, you know, uh, because of the way he looks or maybe yeah. something like that? Yeah. I don't know. He might have looked kind of sketchy. I'm trying to think of what the equivalent, the modern equivalent would be to a, well, for lack of a better term, he was considered illegitimate by a lot of people. Right. Because Joseph knew that he wasn't his son and, and Mary gets pregnant, but nobody knows who the dad is. And um, Joseph graciously, because he loves Mary, decides to adopt him and raise him as his own. And he was probably the talk of the town. I mean, honestly, his whole life, he was poor. He was blue collar. He was considered a bastard son. And even the Pharisees said it, what good can come from Nazareth? Right. He he was on the wrong side of the tracks, right? He was never expected to to ascend to anything. No. But he talks in these weird riddles and he's got this look in his eye like he loves everybody legit, like it's not fake. And the things that he says confound the wise. Certainly. They don't understand what he's saying. Well, even before we get to that point, why is he hanging out with those people? Oh, I know. I know. Why is he always hanging out with prostitutes or with tax collectors? Jesus was so different than everyone else around him that when he spoke, people gathered, they crushed in to hear it. And then more than half the time, they didn't understand it. Even his own disciples that he handpicked asked him more often than not, hey, by the way, that parable... What are you talking about? Well, you know, the disciples too, this is something that I, I don't believe that many people, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about this. And, and I'm, I'm, they, they've, somebody else has had to. But being around Jesus 24-7 for three and a half years yeah, had to be like drinking out of a fire hose. It had to be. It had to be. And I, I mean, I, we've had, you know, I don't know how many different books that you and I have read. And we've got, you know, Tim Mackey and, and right. Mike Heiser that, that can... Right translate stuff or, you know, give us ideas on stuff on, and, and everything else. And we've had 2000 years of filtration That's right. to get it to where, Oh, Hey, I can understand this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there hundreds get- of other people contributing to yes. our, our, our bank of knowledge, but they're getting it right there 
and, raw. And and then the other thing is is you know you and I both have sat through a calculus class or whatever where the professor went and wrote something up there. We have no clue of what they said. And the professor turns around and says, does anybody have a question? Right. And not one person raises their hand. That's right. Because no one wants to be the stupid one. He's scared to death. That's the thing is, do you think, you know, Peter went over to Bartholomew and said, hey, yo, man. I need some help. Did you get that? <laughs> you know, or, or did, did James and, and just kind of like, uh, yeah, I, no, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you later, man. And then hopefully you forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But some of the stuff that Jesus said is pretty audacious. Some of the stuff that Jesus said has to be dealt with. Okay. This is just my opinion based on some things I've heard other smart people say that everybody, regardless of your faith, your culture, your time, everybody is going to have to deal with what Jesus claimed. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to mention some of Jesus's claims, things that Jesus actually claimed about himself and how people are going to have to address that in their own lives. Okay? Sounds good. All right. Are we something hung up in the back of my throat here. Kung Pao chicken? No. I did not have Kung Pao chicken. <laughs> All right. Actually, so my, my fortune said that wasn't chicken you just ate. Oh, gosh. (laughs) All right. Okay, so if you were seeking meaning or purpose or satisfaction in life, then you're probably concerned about what happens after your death, right? I don't know. know. I'm going to be dead, so I'm probably not going to care. Maybe. If there's nothing after death, then I guess there's no reason to care. And right. yet, almost universally we do. As if we as humans are hardwired to go, I don't know what happens next. Well, but I also I'm think scared that, of it. That, that's very true. But at the same time, I also think that some people are so miserable in their current life that, any, <laughs> that they, anything has got to be better than this. Please let it be better than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Okay, so... Here are some of Jesus' claims, all right? Um, Among the many crazy, I shouldn't say crazy, should I? Well, I don't know. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Well, I mean, in context, what he was saying was probably crazy to the people in front of him. I'm I'm certain there were people that thought he was crazy, that thought he was bona fide lunatic, and that he deserved to be put away somewhere. But anyway, among the claims that Jesus made, Jesus repeatedly called himself the, quote, son of man, unquote. That is a reference, a clear reference, to the Messiah language in Daniel chapter 7. If you look at Mark 14, 60 through 64, you'll see that story. Jesus also claimed to have existed before Abraham, who we know chronologically lived about 2,100 years before Jesus was born. See John chapter 8, verse 58. He claimed to be a witness to the Satan following from heaven like lightning. See Luke 10, chapter 18. He claimed to be the exclusive way to God, the Father, and to eternal life. See John 14. He claimed to be one with the Father. Okay, so he's, the, he's at John chapter 14, he's the exclusive way to God. And then he claims to be one with the Father in John 10, 30. He claimed that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. See Matthew 28, verse 18. Whether you're Islamic or Hindu or Sikh or Jewish, 
Jesus claimed all authority in heaven, whatever that is, and on earth is given to him. Then, finally, he claimed to be the truth in John 14, 6. So, like, truth is a person, and he is that person, okay? So, of all these things that Jesus said, we, we have some options, okay? Everybody has to respond to these in one way or the other, regardless of, of where you sit right now. These claims cannot go unresponded to. Is that a thing? C.S. Lewis wrote, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must take your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come away with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. Unquote. So there you go. According to Jesus himself, there are only three postures we can take and two outcomes that result. We either respond by rejecting Jesus outright. You go and declare your independence and live life any way you choose. Two, you pretend that you believe him, but then live like you can pick and choose which claims are true, like we were discussing with the buffet table or whatever. Or three, you respond by declaring your full allegiance to Jesus by living as if what he claimed is all true. Do you see any other option? Yeah, actually I do. Okay. I, I, I think there's an option to, it, maybe it falls into the second one, believe that Jesus is real you believe everything that he says. You just don't make an outward profession of it. Okay. Because you don't want to be associated with the people that do that. Okay. But some other claims that I didn't mention here were that he was the author and perfecter of our faith. I understand. And that he is the one that is building the church. Well, I mean, he, and also he said, you know, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Right. I mean, you... Did he mean that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, absolutely. I think he meant everything that he said, but we also can't... Bottom line is Christianity is an in-your-face religion. It is or it isn't. It is. It is an in-your-face religion. Yes, because you either accept this as the, the truth or it's not. Right, right. And if it's not, then, you know, bottom line, you're for me or you're against me. Yeah, and there's no timid way to do that. There's no, I mean, if, if I believe it, even if I'm not vocal, say I'm not verbal, by virtue of believing in Jesus, that he is Yahweh incarnate, the Most High God incarnate, my decision is a value judgment against everyone that disagrees with me. I can see that. Yeah, because every choice we make is a value judgment. Correct. Right? I mean, should, should we spend a minute on that? You cannot say, well, that's your truth. This is my truth. Well, You can't say blue is the best color well, without offending that, someone that likes green. No, of course, but I think that you are entitled to your opinion. You are not entitled to your own facts. Okay. Truth, it may be ugly. It may be hurtful. But the thing is, is both it is sides, what it is. Both sides have to agree that this is absolutely the truth. Okay, so we don't have to agree, that, do we, that something is true? Like, I don't have to agree. Well, I guess what we need to do is just define what truth is. I mean, because we're, we're there. We have to agree on certain parameters. Okay. I mean, and this isn't a philosophy class with, you know, hey, prove this is a chair. Right. I'm not qualified for that. But like you said a minute ago, you're entitled to your own opinion. You're entitled to the model that you've made in your mind 
your understanding of the universe. You're entitled to that model, but you are not then going to dictate what actually is based on your model. Correct. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I'm making that more complicated. What you said is you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Yes. Somebody might misunderstand that and say, what, but I have blonde hair and you have red hair. That's your fact. This is my fact to which you would say, okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is if you have red hair for you, you have red hair for me. You have red hair for Joe over there. Okay. All of us are looking at your hair. The color does not change depending on who is looking at it. No. Our perception of it may change because we're all made differently. But the fact of the matter is your hair color is whatever it is. It cannot be more than one thing. There is, there is a fundamental law in philosophy called the law of identity. It's one of the most basic. Sure. And it basically says is that everything is identical with itself. Okay. You cannot have an apple that's also an orange. Correct. An apple well, is an apple. Looking at perspective, we both know that this is a bottle of water between us. That's right. I see it. I mean, there is no argument. You and I both know that this is a plastic container with water in it. Right. Now, what does it say on your side? It says deja. Okay. On my side, it says nutrition facts. Oh, good. So if I said, hand me the nutrition facts, you're going to yeah. look at me like, what are you talking about? Uh -huh. My truth is... From my perspective, and this is where people get mm -hmm. confused, because this isn't the truth. Right. But my truth is that this says nutrition facts. So it is a fact that it says nutrition facts from your perspective. Yes. That is a fact, but it is not my fact. And that because is not my the fact truth. is I'm looking at the opposite side of the label Correct. and it says something different. Correct. So yes, in that regard, so we can clarify, we both have different facts about the same thing. Yes. Both of them are incomplete. Correct. The thing itself says way more than what I can see and what you can see. And the truth of the thing is all of the stuff it says. Yes, it needs the cooperation and collaboration from both sides for it to be the entire truth. Right. And maybe even other sides that we aren't aware of. Correct. You know? I mean, I haven't examined that bottle carefully. I don't know where all there's text written on it. But if we were to say, what is the full complement of text on this bottle we would have to examine it pretty close because you know there's all kinds of machines in the processing and they put codes on there that only they can read and blah 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 anyway right. all that to say that truth is way more complicated than facts yes and most people don't want to spend the time to develop the full picture no they don't they, they get to a point where they have found enough evidence to prove what they want to prove right and they stop looking right and Let's, let's not ignore the fact that they approached the problem in the first place with a bias. Correct. Yeah, how many people listening to this podcast right now are giddy about the idea of authority over them? Well, they voted for it. <laughs> I promise, kids, someday we will talk politics. And it's going to be grand. No, we're not <laughs> going to talk politics. No, I'm, what I'm saying is everybody at some point, I mean, you you can see it in little kids when they're first becoming verbal. They don't like being told no. Right. But they also don't like people cutting in line. Right. They don't like someone else having candy when they don't. Right. There's all kinds of stuff that's just in us as human beings that is, you know, kind of ugly-ish. Well, but at the same time, I think that their children see things in a relative fairness. Hmm. Because I was here first, it's not fair that you cut in front of me. That's right. And because I also want to ride the teeter-totter, it's not fair that you're on it now and I can't be. Correct. Yeah. 
All right. So anyway, that's universal. That does not depend on language or culture. No, or I'm going to go shove you off the teeter totter so I can <laughs> have it. The heck of it. That's exactly right. So anyway, what we've decided now is that uh, we're going to attack some of these truth claims. We're just going to basically say, how can you prove or disprove if the person is God? <laughs> well, did he walk on water? Uh, and it they, not be frozen. They claimed he did. You know, we all got to go on this, what, eyewitness account that was written down some 2,000 years ago in another language and translated many times, given to us and explained by a bunch of folks that also were not there. It seems, I'm going to be honest with you, if I was inclined to not believe, Christians do seem kind of crazy. Well, how many other books, though, are this old? There is nothing in all of antiquity that even remotely compares to the Bible in its authenticity, in its consistency from translation to translation to translation over time, and in its breadth of knowledge of antiquity that a lot of times was not believed until it was proven correct by scholars. Right. And finding copies and... Oh, 1948 yeah. in the right. Dead Sea. That's right. That's right. And, and from what I understand, there's over 5,700 ancient manuscript copies of fragments of the book of John. And there's less than 5% discrepancy between those copies, even though they're in multiple languages and multiple parts of the world. Um, in fact, the more copies they find, the more harmonious the translations become. And, you know, if you think about that, 5,700 copies, over 5,700 copies of the book of John, how many copies do we have of Plato's works? Not many. Yeah. How many copies do we have of Julius Caesar's works? To my knowledge, there's three. Right. In all of existence. And all of them date to around 300 years after his death. Right. So how do we even know he wrote that? We don't. We have no idea. We just take it on faith that Whoever took the time to write this recorded it accurately. There is nothing like that in antiquity um, in, in any language or any text written by human beings that has so much corroborating evidence. But it still says some things that people are like, no, nah, I can't. I can't go there. So in that case, it would be, I can't believe Jesus's claims because they just seem too fantastical. He must be crazy or a liar. Do you think we have a natural bias? to not want to believe something that we consider outlandish? I do. I can't remember now what that's called. But anytime you're faced with something that challenges your paradigm, there's an initial reaction, like an inertia, sure. that makes you reject it. Confirmation bias, I think is what that's called. Um, anything that disagrees with what I've already accepted is true, I'm going to reject initially until something compelling lowers my defenses to it and I accept it as true. I'm not even sure that that happens. The next time that I meet somebody that has changed their mind over something will be the first time. Yeah. Well, I know I've never changed anybody's mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've probably made them harden their resolve. Right. Well, here, this, this is what I think our podcast could be, Noah. We could be the ones trying to tell the truth. And not trying to convince anybody of it, because we know that that's probably not going to work. At, at the least, we'd face confirmation bias. And we've got an uphill battle anyway, because we're crazy Christians, right? But at least we could go on the record and say, hey, if, if you've got a problem with what we've said, by all means, email us. Sure. By all means, come on the show and prove us wrong. You yeah, know? I mean, that, that's the thing is... Come show me where you think I've gone wrong. Right. Just, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm willing to listen. That's absolutely right. I, I know I'm not right. You know you've got things in your model that probably need to be updated or changed or whatever. Our understanding of the universe is, is incomplete because we are finite and the universe is huge. But at the same time, I, I'm totally open to correction. 
totally open to people saying, hey, you got this wrong. I, I invite it. I actually run toward that junk. Don't you? Oh, absolutely. Because the thing is, it, and it's not about being right. It's about, I don't want to be telling something, somebody the wrong thing. Right. I do not want to be pointing people in the wrong direction. I mean, you know, how many times have you been somewhere on the street and somebody's like, hey, where do I find such and such? And you're like, oh, yeah, go down two blocks and turn left and do this. And then they're driving off and you're like, it's turn right. Oh, dang it. And, and you're trying to flag them down or whatever. <laughs> but and, and it's not from the standpoint of we want to be right. We just don't want that person to drive off and be headed in the wrong direction. Right. Yeah, I've, I've probably done that before and I've, I don't know. I didn't mean to. Okay, so here's something that's interesting. The pursuit of knowledge is a human trait. We all do it. We all pursue knowledge. Now, some of us are much better at it. Some of us are more vigorous, and we have a more rigorous standard for deciding whether or not something is true. I think of our most recent political cycle and all of the rhetoric and all of the the theories that floated around on the internet. Do not get us deplatformed. I'm just saying on those social networks where people were saying all kinds of stuff and man, they sounded like they had facts. They sounded like they knew what they were talking about. And some of it turned out to just be flat out wrong. Some of it was probably right and was never given the chance to be vetted because folks in power disagreed with the whole premise. So here we are consumers of media and we don't know what's true, right? We don't know. You know, what's interesting is the Russian, well, not Russian, the USSR, there was a newspaper. Pravda. Pravda. It means truth. It means truth. It was the official party paper of the Communist Party. Yeah. And the stuff printed in there was not true. A lot of times it was not true. But it was called truth. Just because you call something true does not mean it is true. There are so many examples of that. I know people do it all the time. I but, know we do know, it to ourselves. But we, Well, I was going to say, every country in the world has done that. Right. Because every human being has done it. I mean, it's questionable. That that's no different than Goebbels saying that the Nazis are pushing into Stalingrad as we speak. Yeah, disinformation. It's Lies. manipulation. Yeah, and th- th- there was a goal, right? He had a goal in mind, and he did affect change, no doubt. Certainly, he got some of the things that he wanted out of that, but he didn't represent the truth. No, and so he was a failure. Oh, I just made a truth claim. We're supposed to represent truth. We all know this. I think we know this, but we have a bias against it. So yes, I believe we have a bias against it. That we don't really want to be who we meant to be. Not really. Well, I think a lot of times that we want to be better than who we are. We want to be better in our mind, according to our value system, than than who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be true. I have to acknowledge that there's an authority, that there was a creator. Sure. You know, that I belong to somebody in order to claim that there was a purpose for my life. Well, and, and I think going back just one second before you make that statement. Oh, it's too late. I already said it. Well, I know that. But, I mean, this needs to be right in there before that. So I think it's like answering a survey. We want to give people the answer we think that they want to hear from us. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of mechanism that's playing to, what yeah. kind of reward But, system. I mean, how many times do you lie about something? And I'm not calling you specifically out. I mean, I'm talking about us, anything. You know, we're answering a survey online to do something, and it says, hey, how many times a week do you go to the gym? Well, I'd like to go two to three times a week, but how many times do I end up going? Zero. Zero times? But I don't want to put zero times. Right. Because then I look like lazy. Well, you know, Noah... If you change nothing, nothing changes. 
<laughs> All right, so I don't know where we are. We're somewhere in the weeds. How many times are we going to have to record this episode? <laughs> I think just put it out there. Okay, we'll just put it out there. I don't care how long it is. I don't care if it's an incoherent mess. It doesn't matter. All right, so the common dictionary definition of truth is the property of being in accord with fact or reality, okay? The opposite of falsity. Is falsity a word? The quality of fidelity, authenticity, accuracy, veracity, the state of reality. Now, here's what's weird. That is a self-referencing definition. The property of being in accord with fact or reality, it's the state of reality. Why do we got to be in a Honda? What? You said we're in an accord. Oh, Are, can we drop brand names like that? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't mention the full name of the water bottle. No. Um, Maybe okay. you should have, so Maybe. they will sponsor us. <laughs> we're in no danger of getting a sponsor, Noah. All right, so truth. We're in no danger of getting a listener. Oh, my gosh. All right, so all human activity depends on our understanding and handling of the truth. All of it. If you want to tell a lie, you have to know what the truth is. Do you? If it's a lie. But otherwise, who's, who's going to know it's a lie? Well, you do. Unless you're just making a statement that you don't know is fact or fiction. That happens all the time. Well, I, I will say this, and maybe this will get us back on the rails. I don't know. There was a TV show done by HBO called Chernobyl. Mm. And in that, it was about the, the accident that happened in April of 1986. And the Soviets did not want to admit that something went wrong. Right. And I cannot remember the guy's name, the actor that played him, nor the, the real guy. But... At the end of the film, he has a little soliloquy, but he said that every time that someone lies or every lie owes a debt to the truth. And I think that that's where we're in a dangerous, dangerous situation because sometimes that, that debt's got to be paid. I, I totally agree. In fact, I really liked that docudrama. They did a, a really good job, I thought. It was very entertaining and um, thought-provoking. Yes. Um, timely also. I know that it was done a couple of years ago, but man, it is, it is just as powerful now. And I, because we're both Gen Xers, we, we remember Chernobyl. That oh, was yeah. a really big deal. Mm -hmm. and, um, well, you know, it, it was a really big deal, but it, it wasn't a big deal made of it. I mean, you know. It, well, that's because the whole thing was being managed. The truth was being managed. Sure. It was being parceled out to us. You know, as much as they thought we could bear or as much as they thought we needed to know anyways. All right. So have you ever heard that truth is relative? Has that phrase ever rattled your eardrum? I've heard people say it, but when pressed to explain that, it's and sounds like our podcast today. Yeah, they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Is that no. what you're saying? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we, we, they come around and, you know, spit out a bunch of words, but... <laughs> But it, okay. but it doesn't really... Truth isn't relative. No? It can't be. Okay. No, it, it might have a different perspective like the water bottle between us. Agreed. However, let me, let me present something to you real quick. This no. is the hill you want to die on. No, no. I, I don't want to die on this hill. Okay. I, I want to die on a different hill. Okay. But I do want to put an idea out there and see if you agree with me. Okay? I doubt it. 
I have heard people say that truth is relative because they are trying to reconcile two truth claims that are incompatible, okay? Like, you're Muslim and you're Christian, and since we don't really know who's right, we're going to say that both of you are acceptable, when Christianity and Islam are both exclusive religions. Neither of them can tolerate a second truth. There's only one truth. God is either Allah or God is Yahweh. Yahweh and Allah are not the same person in any way. Are you sure? Yes, because the description of Allah in their sacred text does not align with the description of Yahweh in Yahweh's sacred text. So we're either talking about a split personality or we're talking about two different entities. No, or we're talking about somebody's perspective. Okay. It's it's not... Okay. I see I'm, what you're saying. Okay, you're, you're doing the, the blind men and the elephant thing where they're each feeling a different part of the elephant and describing what they feel and can't imagine that they're describing the same animal. Well, let's look at a car wreck. You and I are standing side by side and we see an accident. Somebody says... Noah, what did you see? And I say, I saw a fender bender. Okay. That sounds like a couple people tap each other, get out, how, hey, sorry, here's my insurance, here's my insurance. Mm-hmm. Go on your merry way. Next time, put the phone down. Yeah. And you say, they, somebody, the same person turns to you and says, Lemma, what'd you see? Well, is the fender bent? Okay. If we're going to go to that, then <laughs> little bighorn. Yeah. Is that a great victory or a terrible defeat? It kind of depends on your perspective, doesn't it? If you're Native American versus whether you're in the Custer family line, I don't know. I don't think the word truth is handled with any sort of care. I think that might be the most maligned word in our language because it's not just about facts. Facts change. If I were to say to you, the sky is blue, but it's not always blue. And what planet are we on? Sure. Is it daytime or nighttime? What's the weather like? You know, are you colorblind? Oh, of course. So while the color of the sky is a fact, I call it a relative truth. Well, and I don't disagree with that. And at the same time, I think a lot of our problem comes from the fact that people do not wish to update their information. Right. If by updating my information, what if everything that I've been spouting about is wrong? Yeah, like if you've been reading from the King James Bible and you're just absolutely convinced that it's this, that, or the other thing, and then older scripts become available that say, oh, that was a translation error. It should have said this. Or John chapter 8 doesn't even exist or whatever. Right. But, you know, the the thing is, is that I think a lot of Christians have such a fear of being a hypocrite that they don't want to deal with updated truth. No, that might be true. But I'm not scared of being a hypocrite. I mean, I know I'm a hypocrite. I know that I don't always See, live up to the things that I say are true. But listen, if you had a convicted criminal, a, a, a burglar, okay, and he is sitting behind the glass during a visitation, and he tells his son, do not steal. Stealing is wrong. Uh, is he right? I mean, he would know. Sure. Just because he stole a bunch of stuff doesn't mean what he said isn't true. It does mean he's a hip- hypocrite in, in a sense. You see my dilemma? Oh, of course. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as if you stuck a fork in a light socket. You will become a disciple of the light socket and sticking a fork in it. That's right. You will become a prophet of don't do this. And to anybody out there that says, well, that dude stuck his fork in the light socket and, and it lit him up. And now he's going around telling other people not to do something that he did. What a hypocrite. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I mean, that, that basically says that none of us are allowed to move. We're, we're, we always have to stay right where we are. 
We're not allowed to grow. We're not allowed to progress. Progress? We're not allowed to progress. We're not allowed to... to yeah, we, we have to stay stagnant. We gain have to, wisdom. We, ha we have to stay stagnant. That's right. And that's not true. Life no. is motion. So here's the thing. Let's just all accept right now, regardless of what you believe, Jesus, Buddha, Allah, whatever. Let's just all accept that we are all hypocrites. Why is it unacceptable for someone to say, hey, I did this, I thought this, or anything like that. I have updated information and I've changed my mind. It shouldn't be, but you're right. According to the media, a lot of times, what somebody tweeted eight years ago pops back up in a news cycle when it's convenient for the opposing side. Sure. And now he's ostracized, he's lost his job, he's worthless, and blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, every human being knows they've made mistakes. There isn't a single human that is capable of speech that has not told a lie. Not one. Without a doubt. So we're all liars. Yes. If the standard is perfection, like zero tolerance for any failure, then we are all hopeless. And see, I would like to know where that came from. Right. Because that is not the standard that Jesus set. No. And furthermore, it's unequally applied. Correct. It's almost always used by the powerful to keep the less powerful in place. Zero argument. Okay. So what was the standard that Jesus set then? What is the standard that God established? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Dang it. You're right. That's, that's it. That's it. I mean, you know, the funny, I can't remember how many, it's 635 or 638 or whatever statutes that the Sanhedrin tried to live up to or the, the, yeah. the Jews tried to live up to. I think it was 613. Then yeah. we knocked it down to 10. <laughs> Yeah. And we couldn't even do that. Nope. Nope. And nope. then we made it to one. And we can't do that. That's right. We have one rule. That's right. And according to Jesus, it's a dual-pronged rule. Like it's got an A and a B. A part A and a part B. Part A, according to Jesus, when he was asked by a legal scholar, okay? A scribe or a Pharisee or somebody. I can't remember who. But a legal scholar stands up and says, Teacher, what is the greatest of all commandments? Thinking he's going to nail him. Right. I'm going to sure. I'm going to demonstrate my incredible wisdom of all things. I, ha I have set a trap and I'm, we're going to watch him walk yeah. into it. This little, poor, illegitimate, hangs out with fishermen and prostitutes, has, doesn't stand a chance to my skill and my knowledge of the law. And so he asked Jesus, what's the greatest one? And Jesus's response was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the other one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, like you said, and you said it first, where's the perfection? Where's the requirement that we all be flawless? You know what's interesting? Is I think that is one of the, one of the more prominent ways that Christianity is different than, than any other, if you could call it a faith system. It's different. Because, because truth is at the core of Christianity. We're not claiming that we know everything. What we're claiming is truth is a person that person does not require of us what we think he does sure his motivations are different than ours would be he rules differently than we would rule and as our creator he has claim to who we are he decides who we are well and i think that that's where a lot of people have the issues because they have an idea in their head built up this is i think why jesus was rejected because the the jews were under the oppression of the roman empire and in their mind, the Messiah is coming and is going to go tear down Rome with his bare hands. That's right. I think John the Baptist actually taught something similar to that when he was out in the wilderness. Because 
when he was put in jail by Herod, he, he questioned. Yeah. Like, he sent his men to, he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you him or are we, are we supposed to look for somebody else? Yeah, because we expected you to be thumping skulls by now. And you're walking around healing blind people and fixing people's hands and their broken legs. And you're hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors and you're saying peace, love, and joy. And, and, and this is, nothing has happened to Rome. Right. Herod, the corrupt king, has got me on death row. Was I wrong about you? Yeah, that's what he was saying. Because he was expecting something different. Right. So what, what is this God that no one expected? Who is this person? Well, I think that the, the big problem and, and what, it, what we ultimately end up with is that we don't allow ourselves to forgive. Well, no, I don't like that I'm a hypocrite. Oh, I don't think, I, I don't like it either. I don't like that I've told lies in e- the past and that I've misrepresented God. Except... We seem to be the only ones that want to admit this. Who is? Christians. The only ones that want, well, and I wouldn't say the majority of Christians want to either. I think that the, the problem is we cannot reconcile that we got something for nothing. Did we get something for nothing? Well, you have the opportunity for salvation. Okay, so you were talking earlier about this check that Jesus came and paid for. 100%. What is this check? What, what got paid for? Basically everything that we screw up. The fact that we're human. All my hypocrisy got paid for? Paid for. All my lies and misrepresentations of God got paid for? Doesn't matter how many trips you made through the buffet. Paid for. Hmm. All right, so what's the quid pro quo? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do I have to love my neighbor as I love myself in order to get the check paid for? I mean, is it a performance-based system? No, it's not a performance-based system. So I don't have a certain standard of loving my neighbor that I have to meet? No, because we're not saved through works. Right. Right. But then we go back all the way to, are you just sitting there waiting for the clock to run out? Okay, so you just made the claim that we're not saved by works. And most folks that don't believe in Christianity don't realize that that is a tenet of the faith. That that is something Paul said repeatedly, that it is not our deeds or, quote, our works that save us. It is faith in Jesus Christ alone. Mm-hmm. But how many Christians know what that means? They throw Jesus' name around like a talisman. You know, they bless the room with it. They wear it around their neck. See, I think that that's, you just hit it right there. Jesus is, is not a, re, it's not a real thing to them. It right. is a talisman. That's right. It it's is. It's a lottery ticket. It's a philosophy. I am supposed to agree to this. Mm-hmm. We're familiar with the TV show, The 700 Club. Yeah. We're familiar with the folks that are the talking heads on The 700 Club. Correct. We're familiar with natural disasters like Katrina. And every time something like that happens, it is a judgment from God right. on that particular city because of their wickedness. And where they get this is the Old Testament language. Agreed. Now, I'm not saying that the Old Testament is relevant. In fact, I think it's more relevant than most people do. Agreed. I don't think you can believe it or know anything about the New Testament, much less believe it, unless you've got the Old Testament backing it up. In fact, the New Testament and the Old Testament distinctions, that's scholarship. Right. It wasn't really, it, it, it's not real. Just like chapters and verses are not real. They're not there in the original text. But anyway, right. what I'm trying to say is when something bad happens, like a 9-11 or a plane crash or something, why do we go to, or why does anyone go to, this is the wrath of God? I think that a lot of us have a twisted or perverted sense of what we think God is. Okay. Because in one respect, if we're truly honest with our thoughts and our feelings, as I said in our first episode, we're going to play our foul balls. Christianity does that. Except most people aren't willing to come forward and say, man, I was wrong about this. Yeah. 
I think what, what most people are trying to answer in their lives, why they choose the things they do, is because they're trying to determine for themselves what is real. Is pursuing success in my career and making a lot of money, is that real? I mean, is having wealth and influence real? When I'm 92 years old, have cataracts, can't see, body is failing, and I am facing my own mortality, did it really matter that I worked all those Saturdays to get ahead? I can't buy another day. I can't buy back my youth. I can't undo the things that I did that might have been shady to succeed or, you know, that I can't, I can't fix one single mistake. But again, though, it, it all depends on what you allow your core beliefs to be. Okay. So, and, and what I mean by that is if you're wealthy, did God make you that way? Well, I mean, I guess you could say that okay. however you're put together. Was... All right. So if, if you're wealthy, do you just sit on that wealth? Do you just hoard it? Or do you try to do something else with it? Well, if you did sit on it, if you did hoard it, what, why is that wrong? Well, isn't the idea to try to help everyone else? Whose idea? I mean, you know, that's kind of why, why, why should have. I help anybody else? I mean, there's because it's seven, not shares in the first place. There's 7.8 billion of us. Sure. There, there, there's no way I can share with 7.8 billion people. Okay. Well, go live in your ivory tower. We're, we're not. We're not getting anywhere talking like this. No, I know that. But this is the problem with two Gen Xers being snarky. I know. We're trying to out-snark each other, and we can't ever get around to what is real. We, we can't. I mean, I define relative truth as truth that changes, because it can. It, it's, it's, it's relative to time and space and whatever's going on at the moment, right? To borrow from the dude, that's just your opinion, man. Okay, all right. But the distinction between relative truth, facts that change, and absolute truth, which is something that some people say doesn't exist, is that if there is a truth that never changes and cannot be influenced by time and space and energy and matter, that truth is God. That truth as it so happens, is a personality, a person. Our personhood, like your personhood, my personhood, everybody's personhood. I mean, where does that come from? How, how did that exist accidentally? I mean, if we could get over the gigantic hump that is life coming from non-life, and we could get past all of the just so perfection of the first single cell organism all the way to the most complex thing in the universe that is the human mind, how do you get personhood? It doesn't follow any logic. You no. know, we've talked about this before in the whole, there is no such thing as random. Right. The, the sacrificial love makes no sense. It makes no sense at all, unless it reflects a person. Sure. Okay. So my hypocrisy is part of who I am. I can't undo it. Now I can try hard not to make more of it, but I'm probably going to fail because I'm a hypocrite. And I'm probably not going to tell the truth all the time because I'm a liar. And I'm probably not going to do a lot of things that I should. And I'm probably going to do a whole bunch of stuff that I shouldn't because I'm a human being. And you're hardwired that way. That's right. It's a lowercase h. I believe there's a spectrum of humanity, okay? And that if the biblical narrative is, is true, and maybe it is, maybe it's not. But if it is true, then there had to be a proto-human. And this proto-human was set up with all the genetics and the, the things that make humans human. And this person, this person was given effectively, all the cards were stacked in their favor. And this person is given one rule. And the authority said, don't eat fruit from that particular tree. 
and true to every other human in existence, resented the authority withholding something from them and they eat the fruit of the tree. And in doing that, the relationship with the entity that created this person is broken. It's not destroyed. A relationship still exists, but it's nothing like it was intended to be, nothing like it could have been. Right. And all of this happens for a reason, is what I'm trying to say. So fast forward to now, Lemma and Noah trying to record episode four, and we agree that we're all hypocrites, that every human being is a hypocrite, and every human being has misrepresented the truth at some point. By the way, that's the definition of lie, is misrepresentation of the truth. The media might say, uh, we fudged on the facts, or we exaggerated this point, or we omitted that detail. No, it's and, a pure, it is a pure prevarication. Okay. What I'm saying is, the truth is what the truth is, and if you paint a picture that is different, you are misrepresenting the truth. Agreed. Human beings, according to the Bible, were intended, we were created to be image bearers, likenesses of God, who is truth, who has absolutely no issue or any limit to loving with all his heart, soul, and mind. Okay? But you know. I think that that's where the idea from perfection comes from because we are created as image bearers of perfection. Okay, but his own story tells us right off the bat, but you are not it. You are an image of God. You are not God. Okay? We were never perfect. We were never the ideal. We were always an image of the ideal. Okay? All right. So this whole misconception of you're not perfect, therefore you're not good. Correct. There is none good but the Father, Jesus said. Why do you call me good? Which was also a God claim, by the way. Of course. Now we've got all, all these broken people. We all believe different things. Every one of the things that we believe claims to be the way, right? It's Actually, there's some other religions in there that are kind of accepting of other faiths. They just think they got it kind of wrong or whatever. However, Christianity does not make that claim. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to the Father but through him. And so because of that claim, you either have to accept him, reject him, or whatever. Well, and I think that drawing that hard line in the sand is why people reject. Okay, because they can't tolerate a hard line? Probably. But truth is a hard line. I understand, and that's why we try to do everything we can not to live up to it. We can't live up to it, and therefore it doesn't really exist because we can't live up to it? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, well, in, in my opinion, that's evidence for the fact that God is perfect and we are not and never were, and he was the only way we could ever be redeemed, which is what he claimed, and he did that. He paid the check. So now what? Don't say we just bide our time. No, it can't be. It can't be. What if we were to start a podcast and we were, we were to talk about things that, that were um, entertaining but also provocative? What if we were to come up with a way to talk about the stuff that we would talk about normally? Um, People might actually listen to that. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think we have seven followers. I think we're up to seven now. I might be wrong. Between your family and my family, that's probably seven. <laughs> All right, Noah. We've been recording for a long time. How do we land this plane? Well, we have been east, west, north, south. We've been all over the place, but how about a word of the day? Okay. All right. The word of the day is irrespective. Oh. Irrespective means regardless of. This is the correct word. To borrow from Dennis Miller, I don't want to go off on a rant here, but never, ever, ever use the word irregardless. I don't care that it is in the dictionary. This word only manages life in the amoeba-like language of English because people do not understand how utterly foolish 
the use and sound that, that this word makes. Do not be that person. <laughs> Banish this word from your vocabulary once and for all. Irrespective is the word you want to use. Okay. All right. But I could, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. <laughs> I miss all that. That was good stuff. All right. Now what? We got to pull a topic out of the hat for the next rant. I'll let you do that. Why don't we do something irrespective of religion? Did I use that right? Yeah, I think so. Very oh, good. Dang. Why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about something that is also very fascinating to me as a builder? And that is construction techniques that defy the accepted academic narrative. Okay? Like I'm going to go- read between the lines and say the Egyptians didn't build the pyramids. They didn't. They did not. Thank you. That is not even freaking possible. And it wasn't aliens either. No, but it might have been geopolymers. It might have been. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about ancient architecture, megalithic construction that goes back into the deep, dark past beyond that which we can explain. Uh, Evidence of tools that were highly mechanized, if not automated. There's plenty of tools in this podcast. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, if you're interested in ancient megalithic structures that defy the archaeological record um, and don't fit in the neat little narrative that we all came from Africa and that we're all so many years old and that we couldn't possibly have been a global civilization or that there was no global cataclysm that wrecked everything all at the same time, then, you know, whatever. But that's what we're going to talk about next time, okay? Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you all very much for dialing in or however the heck you got here. We don't know. All six of you are welcome to come back for our next conversation. We do appreciate you very much. We love doing this, um, and I have no idea why. That sums it up. Start.